And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 157 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 157 at-bats for Mauricio Dubon last year. And I bring it up because I feel like we need to mention him at least once in what he's doing in Sacramento. It's only fair to him. Uh, well, what is he doing in Sacramento? He is hitting 341. Uh, he is getting on base. He's walking uh, roughly as much as he strikes out. He's having what he needs to do. Like, he's doing what he needs to do. And it's just a shame that this roster is so loaded and the the rules have conspired against him. We're probably still not going to see him again for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's. I mean, you got to figure that either uh, Dubon or Tyro Estrada will be one of the two extra guys that they call up. Uh, they only had, can call up two guys when rosters expand on September 1. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely playing with a purpose. I'm sure he wants to be one of those two selections because one one's going to be a pitcher probably, and the other one is probably going to be one of those two infielders to give them some more depth at shortstop. I miss the expanded rosters. I mean, I don't miss, like we talked about it, We I don't miss Bruce Bochy coming out in the ninth inning and making a, a lefty-righty swap, but I miss just in general the idea of like, hey, let's just get these guys in there. Let's uh, rest some people. I don't know. I like, I like the old rules. Yes, yes. The new rules should be the hockey rules where you have – your uh, designated squad that you just have your healthy scratches every day and then you can carry more players without necessarily having more players at your disposal. Uh, but until they wise up and realize that uh, and listen to really, really smart people like you and me, um, <laughs> then, you know, yeah, the 28 is, is, is definitely different than 40. Um, and uh, it, I mean, it'll probably make a difference. And, and the, the big, the big thing is that the triple A season has been extended mm, uh, because point. if if the triple A ball had ended the first week in September like it normally does, uh, that would be a real problem because teams would have roster needs and they'd have to, you know, shuttle people up and down like they do in June and July and August, etc. Uh, but you'd have no place to send people to to keep them sharp. Uh, I guess you'd have to open up some sort of alternate site. Shall we call it an alternate site? I never <laughs> capital heard of that. A, capital S. Right. <laughs> 
So, so they, they do have some, some place to send them. So I, I think it's kind of, kind of going to be business as usual in terms of roster moves. Uh, it'll just be like uh, another month uh, of the season where you have people going up and down. 157, that's also the number of innings the Dodgers and Padres played last night. We are recording on Thursday. The Dodgers and Padres finished uh, technically on Thursday morning. Uh, you stayed up. You're on the East Coast, and you still stayed up for that entire game. Uh. East Coast or East Coast bias or West Coast bias, whatever. I I understand it now. I I here I thought there were all these provincial snobbery people out east thinking that the world ended at the Mississippi River or whatever. And no, they just can't watch the games. They'll be too tired. It's too physically demanding. I stayed up and I watched the rest of that game, and uh, you know, and then I went and I slept in until twelve thirty p.m. So, um, but yeah, it's. It was uh, I couldn't break away. It was like um, an NHL playoff game. You, know, you just you can't turn it off. So uh, and they kept playing. Gosh darn it! It was so good. I mean, it was just just watching two teams that I mean you have an interest in for obvious reasons, but at the same time you're not living and dying with every pitch. Uh, you're not thinking of how you're going to craft the game story. Like you're you're just sort of sitting there giggling. And they could not score a run. They would get a, a free Manfred runner on second base. Uh, it didn't matter. And it was outstanding theater. Uh, but I fell asleep. I, I you know, I, I'm on puppy time. So I have a puppy and she'll wake us up at, at five in the morning and she's a good dog. But at the same time, I'm wiped. And so after the Dodgers took that 3-1 lead, I tried to stay up and I just racked out. But I, I can't imagine being on East Coast time. East Coast time is so... I mean, I have like when the first time I went back east for work to Washington, D.C. a long time ago, I remember going out, drinking and coming back to my hotel room, my head spinning and the Warriors game was on. It's like, what? How? What kind of time wizard did this? And it's just different. Yeah. You know, it's funny as as I've gotten older, uh, you know, you go to these cities and you have things you want to do or things you want to see. And, and I, you know, you can come to New York a billion times and still have places or neighborhoods or a restaurant or a museum or something that you want to check out that you haven't done before. And so, you know, I was looking at, oh, you know, what do I want to try to do uh, before the game on Wednesday or before the game on Thursday? And as you get older, you realize that as you make plans, the plans are purely window dressing. They are asked. <laughs> They are aspirational, and that's pretty much where it ends. It's like, yes, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to have a bagel sandwich at this specific place, which is world famous. And, yeah, I know I'm going to have to take the train and connect to another train, and and then I'm going to have to walk 30 blocks, and then I can take the High Line, then I'm going to go to the Whitney Museum, which I've never been to before. I'm not going to make it to the Whitney Museum today. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. Instead, I, I got to watch, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a home run, uh, and, and I got to watch uh, uh, Bruce Dark Greater all through 101 miles an hour. That That's what I did instead. <laughs> is that train uh, in the pandemic, is that train to City Field still, like, I, I've taken it once, and I got closer to, like, three people than I've ever been with my wife or college <laughs> girl. Like, it is, it was packed when I was on there. Um, is it still like that? So, um, I, you know, Henry Shulman, uh, who retired uh, and is full of great ideas, and he'll tell you so. He has always said, take the Long Island Railroad to, to mm. City Field or Shea or whatever. And I thought, okay, I, I, you know, I, it leaves from Penn Station. If you're not staying at a hotel that's down in the 30s or whatever, then it's a little bit of a schlep to get there. So I've always just taken the 7 train. 
But between, you know, the pandemic and thinking, okay, it might be better to be on sort of a, uh, you know, you don't want to step into a car where you're, you're basically being pushed in or having to, having to find a way to, to make some space for yourself on a, on a crowded train. Yeah. Maybe I'll try this out. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not staying too far away from Penn Station. I took the Long Island Railroad for the first time. It was beautiful. The car was clean. It was cool. There was like, three people on it. I had a whole row to myself. Uh, it was two stops. It took like 19 minutes to get there. Uh, and then you got to walk like an extra half a block, which it was 95 degrees. So I perished and died, but, um, <laughs> it, no, it, it was great. And then, you know, after the game, I took the seven train home and I'm the only person on it. And I'm just hoping that, you know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix doesn't, you know, get on the train in clown makeup on one of the stops. And other than For that, sure. I'm, I'm fine. Um, don't watch that movie, by the way, before you go to New York. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was actually, it was fine. It, it was, uh, it was, it was a nice uh, sort of, that's been a nice sort of rhythm to get into. Take the Long Island Railroad there and then take the seven train back. Yeah. The seven, the first time I was there and the, the probably the only time I'll ever take the seven train was like, Oh, person next to me had mustard for lunch. Person to the right had asthma as a kid. Like you're learning a lot about these people. Um, but we're not here to talk about the subway cars of uh, the greater New York metropolitan area. We're here to talk about the giants and the giants, let me see, dude. Okay, my notes here. Oh, they won another series. Okay, it, it turns out that they won another series. How, how about it? They won another series, and they played a terrible game. They made <laughs> two of the worst errors at the worst possible times you could possibly imagine in a game. And and yet, somehow, they, they, they won... Because when you try to out Mets the Mets, you, you, you just they've got they've got much more practice at it than you do, <laughs> and they're probably going to prevail. It is amazing, like I, you know, on the baseball barista with Hunter Pence, he's always he's very interested in the NL East, and he's always asking, "Hey, what do you think? Who who's going to pull ahead? Who's, who's going to pull ahead?" And I kept looking at the the Mets roster and saying, "Look, they got Lindor, they've got Jeff McNeil, they've got Conforto, they've got Nimmo." It's going to be the Mets. It's going to be. And boy, when I watched that team for three uh, games and then the, the series a couple weeks ago, I don't know how they were ever in first place. And I get it. Like, I look at the names and I see why people were excited. But the way that they were playing, not good. Not good at all. No. And, and you know, <laughs> Pete Alonso is, is their best player. And he got four center cut pitches, two from Johnny Cueto and two from Jake McGee, and he fouled them all off and, mm. uh, you know, ended up hitting a ground ball that uh, that should have gotten the Giants out of a, uh, an inning with the bases loaded, and, and, and Chris Bryant makes the error. and But they only get one run out of it because Brandon Belt makes a great play coming off the bag to make sure the throw doesn't get away. And then Jose Alvarez comes in and throws you know, one pitch and, and gets out of it. And, and by the way, check out his numbers for the last – Three months. It's it's just dazzling what he's done under under the radar. And then you know Alonzo has another chance with the bases loaded in the ninth after uh, Alex Dickerson and, and Austin Slater talk about you know knowing uh, what they had for lunch. I mean they, that was mustard breath territory right there. They were both standing under the <laughs> same fly ball. They didn't have to yell and shout, and they could have whispered each other off that ball. But uh, Dickerson, for whatever reason, you know, tried still tried to catch it, and they, they clank gloves and. And the ball falls, and, and and now it's bases loaded with Pete Alonso again, and and Jake McGee throws him two pitches uh, out of the sequence that were fouled off. That either one of them could have, you know, struck a a delta plane off a wing, you know, as it's coming in for its approach to Laguardia, and 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 he fouled him off, and then he 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 hit that little squib of a line drive to end the game. So the Giants definitely definitely got lucky. Um, 
But yeah, I agree with you. The Mets, you look at their talent, you look at their lineup, you think that this is a really, really good team. But oh man, it has just not come together for them at all. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I was uh, at my daughter's soccer practice while the game was going on yesterday. So I was listening on the radio in the car. And Dave Fleming's call of the uh, Slater-Dickerson mashup was really sublime because you could hear in his voice that it should have been a can of corn. You know, from, from the moment it was hit, he's thinking it. But with every word he said, you could see that there was something developing that shouldn't be. Uh, and you and so there was like, you know, oh, Papa, uh, Slater's under it. And the way it unfolded, it was, it was perfect. It, well, decidedly imperfect. But I just can't. It, so are the Giants, the Giants can't keep winning games like that. But at the same time, I don't think that they've padded their uh, their win total with a ton of games like this. I know there was that game that Chris Bryant said, you know, we had no business winning that game. There have been a couple like that. But for the most part, I don't think that they've been padding their their total with games like that, right? I mean, yeah, I think they, they've they've made a lot of their own breaks. And I think they've taken advantage of a lot of their opponents' mistakes. And, and by and large, I mean, look at their record. They obviously have made a lot fewer mistakes than their opponents. And... Um, but yeah, I think this is one where they were totally let off the hook and, uh, you take it and, and you realize that you have to play better, especially against, uh, the Braves in Atlanta next series, followed by the Brewers, followed by the Dodgers, followed by, you know, games at Coors Field where the Rockies are 43 and 22. So, um, yeah, I think they realize that, you know, this, this is not a standard that they, uh, uh need to, they need to they need to raise their standards from the way that they played, but um, you know I think they also probably you take it and learn from it and you try to you try to to learn a lesson without necessarily learning it the hard way. So yeah, they got lucky for sure. Do you have a handle on Jake McGee as far as is he just the calmest dude in the world or is he a serial killer? Because he, um, he is so calm, like nothing seems to fluster him, and it's almost unnerving how just like oh, okay, yeah, the fly balls drop. It's what happens. Let me just go out and get them. It is unnerving. I think he's Clint Hurdle's illegitimate son because <laughs> he gets so red. He turns shades of red that I don't think humans can turn, and it, it's almost purple red sometimes. And uh, when when he came in the game, uh, I thought, "Ooh, we're gonna get some Tyler Walker big sweaty here." And uh, yeah, he gets red, he gets sweaty, but you know what? He keeps making pitches, and and you, you got to give him a lot of credit for sticking in there, uh, you know, for not losing focus um, because he 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 wavered at times a little bit, but. Um, you know, he, he picked up his teammates, no question about it. Uh, and that's, I think what the giants have done, uh, really well all year is, uh, you know, when you 
feel like you can trust your teammate to pick you up. Man, that that's just a powerful, powerful thing. I mean, that's probably one of the best elements of of team chemistry that can really lead to wins. And uh, and and Jake McKee certainly picked up uh, um, his t- uh, Dickerson and, and Slater last night. I guess it's it's the mark of a closer is that you can't get flustered. That's just part of a job. It's it's like uh, being a surgeon with uh, oopsie thumbs. You know, like it, you just can't be a surgeon with uh, bad dexterity. So a closer. But I just don't remember watching a pitcher who doesn't break character. And I, I'm i trying to think back of Brian Wilson, Rob Nen, Sergio Romo. Like, they obviously didn't get flustered because they were good at their jobs, but you could still sense a little bit of emotion, a little bit of change, a little bit of a, a moment where they would have to stop and whew, exhale, collect themselves, and then they were back on track. Jake McGee just, you know, he just hums at the same level. Is it, Am I making that up? No, I, I don't think you are. And, you know, you watch him carefully, and one of the things that he does after he finishes Finishes all of his warm-ups after, you know, he 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 gets uh, ready to go, and the catcher throws down to second base. You know, he'll go stand at the back of the mound. He'll take his hat off and he'll look inside his hat. He does this every time, and uh, I forget exactly what's on the little slip of paper. Uh, but it's more than just you know pitching sequences or, or sign sequences. It's it's a personal note, uh, and it mentions I think his family and his faith, and uh, and it, it's something to center him uh, to what's really important. Uh, so, you know, he doesn't think, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to do this for my family. Um, this is not, you know, life or death. I'm just here to be the best person I can be in this moment and and, and do it for them. And I think that's a great way to be centered. And everyone's got something different that they rely on. Everything's Everybody's got something different that they use as a cue to sort of deal with all of the anxieties uh, of life uh, or of that moment. And um, that's what really works for him. And it seems to be a great cue. Inside his hat, uh, he has a note. It reads, feel the ball, take a breath, pound the zone, and the names of his wife, Morgan, and daughter, Rowan. I got that from a tweet from some dude named Andrew Baggerly. Um, ah, there you go. <laughs> feel the ball, take a breath, pound the zone. That is a, you know, I like that. I like that uh, a lot. So the Giants are you know, winning. They swept the Mets. Uh, they did it. One of the, the more interesting moments or I guess uh, uh, performances of the series to me was Sammy Long. Uh, He looked like the guy who came up and wowed uh, the Giants and their fans when he initially was called up. He forced his way basically on the 40-man roster. It's not like the Giants had to protect him. It's not like they were overflowing with empty spots. Uh, So he forced his way. He was pitching like that guy. Is is he the extra pitcher? Because when they get all of their uh, get all their starters healthy, he he would be sent down if they had a full rotation. But when rosters expand in September, is he going to audition for that like kind of Kenta Maeda, uh, Yusmero Petit role in the postseason? I mean, yeah, that's certainly possible. Um, you know, he's got that big overhand curveball, which is a great pitch. It's also a, a tough pitch to to you know, really be an out pitch because it's, it's something that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily, it's usually a pitch you use to set up another pitch. Um, so, uh, but it was effective against the Mets and, uh, he clearly is someone who doesn't feel like the moment gets too big for him. Maybe he's got a note in his hat that says, feel the breath, pound the zone. I, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm mixing them up on purpose. Um, but, uh, uh, no, you know, it's, it's, it was a big spot, I think, to start, uh, that road trip. We know it's 16 games in a row. We know what the opponents are. It's going to be very, very taxing stretch. It ends at Coors Field, which is not where you want to end a, a big, long trip. 
uh, or big long uh, spate of games without a day off. So it was really important for Sammy Long to have a good start uh, and and kind of not necessarily put this team in a big innings deficit at the very very outset. And it'd be like chipping out of the gate, right? So so that was I think pretty darn important and um, and, and probably was as big of a, a momentum builder as as anything else that could have drummed up. One of the things that fascinates me about this team is that at the beginning of the year it just felt like everything was in flux and okay who are they going to use here? Uh, you know you knew that Tyler Rogers was going to be something of a mainstay, but there was just a lot of uncertainty. And now as we're approaching October, I'm not seeing a lot of auditions that are going to happen for this bullpen. This bullpen looks almost set in stone where you have McGee, you have Rogers, you have Leon, you have Garcia, you have Alvarez, you have Watson. You have six pitchers set in stone. Zach Littell has been doing uh, yeoman's work, so he might be on a postseason roster. Jay Jackson has pitched well. You'll probably have someone like Sammy Long in there. I don't see anyone who's going to sneak in there, right? Yeah, I think you kind of sort of did the roll call. I don't see anybody else sneaking in there either. Boy, if Camilo Duvall could throw strikes consistently, you know, he's someone that he could be your Francisco Rodriguez. He could be yeah. your, your lightning bolt, you know, but I don't know if he's at that stage yet, but he's a guy that they could call up if they need him. And I do think that they have a couple of optionable pieces, Jackson being among them. So I do expect that as they need fresh arms, they can still make some moves here and there, you know, watch how John Brebby is pitching at AAA, see if he could worm his way back into consideration for a spot. So that's good to know that they do have a few other options because they're probably going to need to freshen up that bullpen a time or two in September. But in terms of what it looks like in the postseason, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's there's still a long way to go until they have to make those decisions, obviously. But you know, they, I think they probably feel pretty decent that they're going to have good choices. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate pay subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. A month after the trade deadline, when a lot of folks thought maybe they'd be in the mix for a Craig Kimbrell or a Sal Iglesias or, or something, um, Daniel Hudson, I think, was, was your pick, uh, they didn't get anyone but Tony Watson. They surveyed the entire landscape and said... Nah, this guy's the fit. You know, he's left-handed. He would be the third left-hander on the in the bullpen. It seemed a little odd at the time, especially when the dust was settling after Chris Bryant. A month after the deadline, when you look back at that, do you think, gosh, they nailed it? They picked exactly just the right little tweak, a guy who knew the clubhouse, a guy that they knew. Um, or is there that sense of, okay, McGee is outstanding, uh, but they could have used one more Craig Kimbrell. They could have used like one dude uh, to kind of lengthen that that bullpen out. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I'm sure they would have loved to have a Kimbrell or an Iglesias or someone who you could point to and say, okay, you're shortening the game. I, I have you in there. You're turning this into an eight inning uh, sort of um, task instead of a nine inning task. I mean, the, the, what the Cubs had with Aroldis Chapman in 2016. So um, th- that, I don't think that person existed outside of Kimbrel. And uh, um, so, you know, they went out and they got someone who they knew fit and someone who they knew would fit the culture, which they said was very important as well. Um, and, you know, Tony Watson does have major league closing experience. So if, you know, Jake McGee has, you know, a, a whoopsie or, or has a, a little flare up or something starts to not feel so great, 
Um, they have another person who's left-handed who's closed games at the big league level uh, that they could turn to, and maybe not someone who has a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, um, but uh, you know, I, I think they probably feel pretty good about that as well. He, this is a person who's got the stuff and the experience and who is trending in the right direction, and that, that's obviously something that has been really, really important is, you know, what are you doing lately and are you moving in the right direction? What's your stuff doing? And, and Watson's stuff had, had, had clicked up a little bit month to month to month. So uh, they definitely took note of that. But um, I, I mean, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about this Giants bullpen? Because it, the bullpen, we had the core four. We saw what they did in all of the postseason runs. You know how critical uh, the bullpen is. You can't match up the way that you used to be able to clinically, surgically, because there's the three batter rule in effect. But I mean, do you feel like this bullpen is is ready for prime time? As of right now, yeah. Uh, if the pl- if the postseason were to start tomorrow, yes. A- another month of wear and tear. I don't know. I just don't know these guys that well. Um, you know, Dominic Leone, I think has I, he's effectively wild, and you hear that as a cliche, but I think he's intentionally effectively wild. I think he's uh, almost like a Ryan Vogel song. When Ryan Vogel song would walk four batters per nine inning uh, per nine innings, it was wasn't because he didn't know how to throw strikes. It was because he refused to throw meatballs. And I think Leon has a little bit of that, obviously, with 95 mile per hour stuff. Um, It's just, it's a solid bullpen from top to bottom. It doesn't have a wow factor. It doesn't have like a guy who's going to come in with 17 strikeouts per nine innings and one walk per nine innings. Like it doesn't have someone with this totally goofy strikeout to walk ratio. But uh, up and down. I mean, who's the worst reliever in the the bullpen right now? Is it Jay Jackson, who is perfectly fine? Uh, you know, assuming that Tyler Chatwood is just kind of passing through, it's like the worst of the worst of this bullpen is perfectly fine and probably pretty okay. You know, I think um, better than cromulent is the way <laughs> yeah. to describe uh, the back end of, of the Giants roster. And there's a lot of not so cromulent pieces at the back end of major league rosters. And you know, we've talked about that, I think, at length and, and probably don't need to rehash it. But, you know, they don't they don't give innings to guys who are terrible. They don't give at bats to guys who are just basically a warm body. And a lot of teams do. You know, they get caught uh, uh, with an injury and have to end up playing people that that, that really uh, don't do a lot to help you win a ball game. And, and the Giants just they find a way to fill up a game with people who are better than average. <laughs> and that that's true at the front end of the roster and on the back end of the roster. And it's been, uh, I mean, you can't argue with the results. Yeah, before the season, Mike Petriello of MLB.com, he made his bones as a Dodgers fan. And he's kind of like me where he's not like an explicit Dodgers fan. Just like I'm not, you know, a rah-rah Giants fan anymore. But that's still his roots. I thought you were an explicit Giants. You're not an explicit Dodgers fan? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Aha! It's like WWE. I ripped the mask off. Ah, you never (laughs) suspected. Uh, Petriello, you know, he still has, he he will be joking like, I'm not... uh, the Giants are kind of freaking me out a little bit. So before the season, he wrote a piece where it was looking at uh, the pitchers who were who should be better than average, just uh, acceptable and better. Which teams, which rosters were projected to have the most of those? And he had the Giants really high up there, maybe second in baseball behind the Dodgers. And he was the kind of pound of the strum in February saying... I think there might be something going on here with this depth. This is a lot of depth and it's not nothing. And uh, I think he kind of nailed it because that's been the story of the 2021 Giants. Yeah, and, and that along with, uh, you know, Brennan Crawford basically being the nationally most valuable player uh, or Buster Posey uh, <laughs> basically, you know, hitting 330. 
um, uh, you know, Evan Longoria basically being the major league's best hitter against left-handed pitching for a couple of months there. Um, you know, doing all those things to put themselves in a position to get Chris Bryant. Um, yeah, you, you look at what the veteran the veteran core has done. Brandon Belt, in, in less than you know three hundred plate appearances, has surpassed his career high in home oh, runs. Right. And we probably we probably should touch on on Brandon yes. Belt's time in New York too, uh, while we have some time. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know along with along with the 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 depth is the home runs. None of us saw this coming in this level. And what the veterans have done. Those are probably three of the biggest, I think, storylines if you were to kind of encapsulate why the Giants are where they are. Yeah, let's talk about Brandon Belt. I was trying to figure out a way to segue into that because uh, that was, you know, special. Brandon Belt's two home run game. And then when he was doing the post game interview uh, with Greg Papa on NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, he said, you know, I would, can I say something? And it, it was very unlike him. So I was listening at the time and my head popped up like, Ooh, like this is, uh, you know, it's not like he's going to be, I don't know, announcing that he's sponsoring some sort of esports team. Like there's something's going to come up. And he he was playing with a very, very heavy heart. And uh, it was a really special and a difficult moment. Yeah. So, you know, we're up there in the press box thinking when he hits his 18th home run uh, you know, on the third pitch he saw in the first inning. And, and then when he hits another home run, I believe it was in the fourth uh, in his third at bat, you know, you're thinking, okay, that's his 18th and his 19th. He, he just tied and surpassed his career high. So that's, that's really meaningful. That that's uh that's pretty significant and no idea that that's not why those home runs were significant. That's not what was swimming through his head. And we were on the field pregame. We saw him uh, and Gabe Kapler gave him a big hug and it was more than just, you know, a, you know, Hey, go get him tiger hug. It was a very supportive type of hug and, and belt looked like he was really dealing with something and, and you think, gosh, I, I hope he's okay. I wonder what that's all about. And then, you know, we, we didn't realize until uh, the post-game show uh, and, and we're seeing tweets about it as we're sitting in the press box in New York that, you know, he had announced that he learned that morning that his grandmother had died. Um, uh, and he shared with us post-game on the Zoom that it was COVID and uh, they thought she was going to be okay until she just wasn't, which, you know, and I had not asked the question to try to find out if she died uh, or cause of death, but just, I just asked if she had been ill or if it was sudden, just because I've lost grandparents both ways. And it, it, you know, both of them are, are, are terrible. They're, they're, uh, really emotionally difficult moments, but they hit differently. If, if it just hits you out of the blue versus you have, uh, someone who you lose, who's been, you know, in a hospice care or has been, you know, uh, you know, chronically ill for a long time. And in this case, it's both, you know, it, it was both. She was, she was sick, but they thought that she was going to be fine, and then she wasn't. And how many thousands of people have had to deal with with losing a loved one this way? And uh, uh, your heart breaks for for him and for his family. And um, you know, gosh, we just can't lose anybody else to this. Yeah, it was uh, just an amazing uh, moment for him to to play like that. Just so d- sad, and just it puts everything in perspective because it feels like last year at this time we were still very much in you know the the baseball teams were playing to empty stands and it was just uh, so in your face at all times, no matter what, you know, schools were closed. It was 
everything that you did, you were reminded of the pandemic. And now, you know, it's not like things are good. Uh, things are still very, very, very bad, but there's still that semblance. There's still, you're allowed to have those moments where you go, oh yeah, this is my normal routine, you know, it, but it's not. It's it's just, it's so in your face still to this day. Yeah. Even just walking around New York, you know, when I get off the train and I um, am walking a few blocks to my hotel, um, you know, it's, it's different. The city's different. There's, they used to have places that were still open until 4am and now they're all shut down, at, uh, you know, bef- long before midnight. Um, you have to show, you know, your, your vaccination card uh, to go work out at a gym or, or, or go eat inside a restaurant. Um, you know, there's still definitely a, a sense that, that things are different here in the city. And I'm sure that's true in a lot of cities. And, um, yeah, we're, we're obviously not through this. We're still losing people. And, um, you know, I, I just I hope that that I hope anyone who's listening is on the fence about being vaccinated and, and you can and, and you don't have uh, any any issues that would, um, you know, uh, make you compromise to, to a vaccine. Go, go do it, man. Do it for everyone, everyone else, and do it for yourself. Yeah, hard agree, hard agree. Um, to shift gears just a little bit, I heard both uh, Brian Murphy and uh, Greg Papa on different KMBR segments uh, talk about Brandon Belt, and this is not... They brought up that when they were bringing up Brandon Belt, they kind of couched it with, uh, you know, I know that Brandon Belt, uh, there's some people who are, might be detractors of Brandon Belt. And, you know, he's he's divisive and stuff like that. They referenced the Belt Wars. And this is not to uh, say anything about Brian Murphy or Greg Popper there. But, you know, they were just kind of referencing what a lot of people were thinking. Uh, and I just want to tell people on the wrong side of the Belt Wars to, to cut it out. Um, because it's it's like a decade into this and Brandon Belt is still really, really good. He's still good. He's as good as ever. And if you take his career adjusted OPS and that takes into account Oracle Park, um, look at some of the, the players with a worse career adjusted OPS. Uh, I'm talking Tony Perez, Cecil Cooper, uh, Gil Hodges, Mark Grace, you know, Carlos Santana, Paul Canerco, Steve Garvey. Uh, those are guys who have hit on average worse than Brandon Belt. Uh, so give it up. Come out of the hills. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, bake you a cake. Come on. Belt Wars are over. <laughs> They're over. They're over. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've signed the, uh, the treaties. Uh, we, we've, uh, the armistice has been declared. Um, yeah. There's confetti <laughs> in the streets. The Belt Wars are over. And, you know, I, I really do think, I really do believe that, you know, and this is not a knock on Bruce Bochy. This is not a knock on Bobby Evans or the previous administration, they valued Brandon Belt. There's a reason they signed him to an extension. There's a reason that he's here uh, still. Um, they value what he brings to the table. But I feel like, you know, there's got to be some psychological benefit to Brandon Belt. I really believe this to be playing for people who truly, truly not only value what you do, but kind of feel like it's the pattern for everybody else. This is this is the way you take a plate appearance. This is you know um, you know you you don't tell him to change his approach uh, with two strikes to protect a little more. No, you tell him to make good swing decisions all the time, regardless of count. And if you do that over the long haul, the the you know the, the pencil the penciling out will will happen, and and it's going to lead to wins. And I, I believe that he's gone from being someone that they saw as a project who could get better to someone who becomes the prototype where you, where, where you say, you know, Hey, be more like this guy, be more like Brandon belt. That's what we want you to do. And 
that's got to put some extra wind in your sails, I think. Yeah, I, I've gone from thinking it was just a matter of time until his contract was over and he was going to go to an America League team where he could uh, be a DH and run around on a big field with other DHs. Uh, but now I'm thinking... Ah, he's he might have a place on this roster, even as uh, hard as he is to keep in the lineup, even as he's getting older. I think you're just going to say, look, if we can get 300, 350, maybe 400 at bats from him, he's going to fit what we're doing here. And I think there's a, a chance he's back. Yeah, no, I think there is, too. And, and you know, I, I've said this on my KNBR appearances, too, basically, because it felt like every time I would go on the radio, they would ask, OK, Posey, Crawford or Belt, who's coming back? And um, you know, handicap it for me. Who's most likely? And I would just say the same thing. The better they play uh, individually and collectively, the more likely it is that uh, they'll be back. And <laughs> all of them have played very, very well. And collectively, obviously, they've got the best record in the major leagues. So if you had to ask me which of them will be back, I'd, I'd say probably the odds are all of them right now. <laughs> Oh, the continuity. Man, oh man, you're just not going to see this on a different team in 20 years. All right, this has been episode 157 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back next week and we will talk about what in the heck uh, the Giants did against the Braves. Wow, that's going to be a good series. All right, thanks for listening. We will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.